Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Echo Menopod, the podcast which tackles puberty's evil older sister, one large tub of Ben and Jerry's at a time. Oh, cookie dough. Mint? Uh, I'm Susan oh, no, Lee. I think we have to stop being friends now, Sue. <laughs> Do you mind doing the intro? Okay. I'm Susan Lee, print editor at Reach, and I'm joined, as you'll have heard, by my fellow uh, journalist and mint. good mate, Dawn Collinson, uh, the woman who mint. helps... <laughs> me take the moan out of hormonal. Uh, no easy task some days, let me tell you. And um, On this week's Menopod, we're looking at reinvention and specifically how we can embrace a new era of our lives as we reach our mid-40s and beyond. Because let's face it, the older we get, the more women can feel like we're starting to vanish. It doesn't have to be that way though. Life in midlife can bring enormous freedom. The kids may have left home, we've accumulated a lifetime of skills, and for many of us, the time is right to think, right, what next? Whether that's a change in lifestyle or in career there are more opportunities out there than ever before we might just need to know where to look our guest this week is jane gallagher she's a mum of four who had a busy and successful career as a writer and a teacher before totally changing tack she now runs her own business bringing yoga into primary schools and jane's a great example of a woman who took a risk but is now busier than ever doing a job she loves and a little later we'll talk to her about that journey But first of all, Dawn, don't be hiding your light under a bushel. You're an example of a woman who's reinvented herself in her 40s. Well, in a way. Well, kind of, yes. So, what obviously what I did was left working as a newspaper journalist and set up a features news copywriting agency with another features writer. So, we went self-employed. So, for the first time in our early 50s, having been employed since we were 19... Both of us, we went to college together, as you know. Um, for the first time ever, we were not employed. Ooh, that's quite scary. Well, I was going to say that. Now, you say that like, oh, we did this, we did that, and here we are, it's fine. Actually, I'm guessing it was quite frightening. It's daunting. Yes, it is. There is it, without a shadow of a doubt, there are times when it's daunting. And that's one of the other things I'd say was if anybody's thinking of going and starting afresh, the fact that there's been two of us in this has been a huge help. Has it? Why? Oh, yeah. Just because there are days when, with the best will in the world, and I'm quite a confident person, there are days when you think, oof, 
I'm no good at this, am I? Oh, this isn't working. Really? Oh. Imposter syndrome well, after all this Well, time? a little bit. You just kind of, yes, because you, you kind of, you'll be rejected. Right, yeah, 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 because it's freelance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in any business, I think you are, because there'll be a lot of pitching of anything. So if you're, we, we went to, we went on a course um, with the women's organisation in Liverpool, and we met loads of women who were starting businesses. And not just in the media? No, or, no, no. Yeah, yeah. We sat next to a lady who was starting a cupcake business. Okay. And But again, of course, in another way, you risk, you're putting yourself out there yeah. to be rejected. Whether it's, we don't like that feature you've written or we don't like that news article you've written, which is what a newspaper could come back and say to you or a magazine could come back and say to you. Equally, if no one buys your cakes, it's still rejection in a different form, isn't yeah. it? And so that's the daunting thing, I think, is putting yourself out there and at the risk of someone saying, what you're doing, we don't want what you do. And then if there's two of you, it's somebody else to remind you, don't worry, keep going. Actually, what you do is good. You just didn't find the right market for it that time. So, OK, so there are two of you yeah, yeah. in your business. Yeah. But I guess lots of women out there may not have a business partner no, when no. they're trying to find a new job, find a new career, be self-employed, whatever. Is it all about friends then? Is it all about having I think mates, you still need a support women? network yeah. to kind of bolster your confidence because there will be times when you doubt what you're doing. Even the person who has the most rock-solid confidence and belief in how good they... Not, not belief in how good you are as in, in a braggy way. No, but in your own ability. Yeah. So no matter how confident you are and how much you have that rock-solid belief in it that... A, I know what I'm doing. B, I'm quite good at it. And C, do you know what? Yeah, I'm going to give this a go. Now's the right time to do it. There will still be times when you doubt yourself. I, anybody who tells you otherwise is not is not telling you the truth. Do you think that's women though? Do you more think so. that's women? Whether I think more so, yes. You're being re whether you're reinventing yourself or whether you're in a job or whatever that that more women than men. Let's not make a sweeping generalisation. Probably yes. Doubt and themselves. I also think. It, if we choose to reinvent ourselves at this time of life, it's a time when potentially you you do start to... I think hormonally, we start to doubt ourselves a bit more anyway. Right, I yeah, find yeah. that I doubt myself, more, doubt myself more on things than I used to do, just generally. In yeah. life, not just in work, but just generally, I'll think, oh, did I do that right? Or I might a little bit analyse things a little bit more than I used to. Right. So again, you're right. I think it's not just about going into business with a another person but it's about having people around you that can shore up that that confidence to say yeah you're doing the right thing now I'm not the kind of friends that would say yes to you whatever you did because they're useless because yeah, yeah, yeah. You, what you want does is my friend, bum look big in this no 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 yeah, no no go out yes. looking the size of a house <laughs> no one wants that kind of friend they're not the friends you want to take shopping with and the friends you don't want when you're starting a business are friends who'll tell you that everything that you're doing is brilliant yeah 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 what you want is people who'll Honestly. be honest with you but who will reinforce your self-belief but you know what there's never if you think about it so we're so we're both in our early 50s and it's, you know, I, I would be daunted going for another job. Yeah. Uh, hopefully I don't have to go for another job unless there's something I don't know. But anyway, if I did, I'd be very daunted. I'd be very daunted indeed starting my own business like you have or reinventing myself in, in, in any way. But there's never a better time to do it, really, for women like us. No, and I, but I think the other thing is as well, I think you get 
you can be too comfortable in in your comfort zone. Yes, you can. Can't you? you? Can. So we were we you know we were in our comfort zone. We'd done the same job and we knew it inside out, and we could do it with one tied, hand tied behind our back. And I think a lot of people are in that position who've been in the same job, whatever it is, by the time you get to our age. But yeah, what you don't realise is actually we've acquired. We haven't just acquired those specific skills for doing our job. You've got a lifetime Along of skills. Along the way, you've kind of, yeah. you've trawled. It's like a snowball, isn't it? We've kind of, we've got that snowball effect where we've just picked up random skills <laughs> yeah, you along the way. You've, you've been a mum and a, a daughter and a wife and a parent and a, and all those things that have accumulated yeah. in the last 20 and years. And communicators as well. We are communicators in our job, Absolutely. Aren't we? And maybe, you know, maybe not everybody at the beginning of their careers had the had the opportunities to do something that they loved maybe they had to get a job whatever was available you know everybody's circumstances are different we were very fortunate in that we went into a job that we loved but by your mid 40s whether you know whether yeah. you're in whether you're a journalist or you're doing all sorts you are in a different place yeah to when you were in your 20s so by your 40s early 50s you might have crucially more time yeah. on your hands because the kids have gone whatever yeah, yeah. you might have a little bit more money maybe you know maybe the, you paid the mortgage off or whatever um and maybe you've just got the confidence to go do you know what i'm going to give this a go i am i have done I have done what I've done for the last 30 years or 25 yeah. years. I'm going to try something different. The time is now, isn't it? Yeah, it's the time now. is now. So I'd like now to welcome this week's guest, Jane Gallagher. She spent many years as a writer before making the move into teaching. But then at the age of 50, she turned her passion into a business and now brings yoga into the classroom. So Jane, tell us, um, we're talking about reinvention in um, midlife. I hate later life. Later life oh, sounds no, like not later life. Midlife. Um, I get visions of Cocoon, you know, the film oh, Cocoon. Oh, no. Never say the words later life. Sorry. Sorry. In midlife. Um, and you are, well, you're the poster girl for it, if truth be known. Do you want to take us from the beginning um, to where you are now? Because you've had a really interesting journey. Yeah, and I think it seems bizarre how I do what I do today. But if you actually look back to the story, it does actually lead one job, one experience, one um, career. Thing into, career into the other. So, as you know, I used to be a, a journalist at the Liverpool Echoes, <laughs> <laughs> working with you many, many years ago. Um, I am. for many, many. <laughs> but full yeah. disclosure, we do know yeah, Jane. Yeah, we do. Yeah. No, we do, actually. <laughs> so I started as a journalist really straight from university and I worked on local paper in Ormskirt, came to the Liverpool Echo in 1992 and started... Well, it in, is many years yeah, ago. <laughs> yeah, started in the news department and then moved over to features and I love features because I got lots of experience to meet many different people to write in different styles and really you know find out lots of interesting things um, about life the universe and everything and uh, after a while I realized that my growing family and my job didn't quite sit well together I had four children by the early 2000s and something had to give so I decided that I still love writing and it was probably time to go freelance. So in 2003, um, which is probably the last time I saw many people in this uh, office, uh, is I, I went off and was able to work 
very early in the morning before the children got up, later when they went to bed and sometime when they were in school. And I did freelance articles for magazines, newspapers, bit of PR work. And I realised that I absolutely loved um writing about travel. So I went to on a train journey down to a travel writing workshop in London. I got my Guardian sat in there and didn't have time to read it. And then I went to the travel writing workshop and I thought, this is amazing, but I don't think you can make a living being a travel writer. So I spoke to Dee Burkett. She was um, travel editor at The Guardian at that time. And she said, oh, no, I couldn't possibly make a living from uh, writing. <laughs> what are you thinking? Yes. I'm a writer in residence at a university two days a week. And it's a regular job. I, you know, and I teach journalism. So I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. And the way I firmly believe the university conspires is on the way back, I open my Guardian, open the jobs page, and there was a job advert wow. for a writer in residence at a men's prison. So, not quite uh, a university. Well, not quite <laughs> a university, but two days a week or 2.5 days a week, steady income while you, you know, you do your journalism, which as we all know, freelance journalism is a bit hit and miss yeah, yeah. and you're subject to budgets and, and um, lots of different variations. So I wrote my application on the train coming home. Um, in God, North. you really did strike while the eye did was strike. Oh, yes. By Monday morning, I had um, submitted my application and one thing led to another and I had an interview at the prison and got offered the job and it was amazing. It was funded by the Arts Council and the Writers in Prison Network. And I went in to teach journalism and actually ended up teaching creative writing because most of the men in the prison where I worked wanted to tell their stories. Yeah. And some of them could barely read and write. Some of them had doctorates. So it was great working with different levels and making it fun. And it came to an end. It was three-year fixed contract. And I thought, I absolutely love teaching. I love teaching writing. So I decided to go back to university. So how old were you then? Going back um, to oh, over 45, probably 45, 46, about that age. So I went back to Edgehill University and did a PG. Were your kids at university at the same time as you? My eldest son was in his first year at university when oh. I was doing my first year. At, um, oh, so you were freshers yeah, together. we were freshers <laughs> together. Yeah, so it was quite nice because we kind of understood. And at the same time, my youngest was just starting high school as I was starting to teach in high school. So it was quite... Um, we were all newbies. We were all newbies time. and we were all oh. sort of experiencing things yeah. but from a different angle. And I very quickly found out that teaching English to 11 to 18 year olds was not my speciality. Oh, um, wow. It wasn't on. my talent. Wait a minute, you've, you've, you've taught in a, in a men's prison, so how hard can it be? Well, it's a lot easier teaching prisoners than it is to teach 11 <laughs> to 18 year olds. Okay. Um, and we've all had 11 to 18 year olds, so we can <laughs> you kind of see know. where you're coming oh, from yes. Oh, yes. And bear in mind in the prison, if I had any problems with behaviour, I just had to press a button and a guard would come. That's what you need at home, exactly. isn't it? Yeah. In a, in a classroom, you know, you've got people... Um, dancing on tables, deciding they're not going to learn, telling you that this lesson that you've spent hours and hours planning is um, expletive, expletive. And <laughs> I mean, we're talking about nicer areas of Merseyside, you know, yeah. it was a challenge. Now that's interesting, isn't it? So you've had a career as a journalist, you've had a really excellent job teaching in a prison and you've thought, I know, teaching's the way forward. That's going to be where I'm going to go. That's, the, that's my new career path. 
But it wasn't, was it? No. And you know what? I, I always believe, you know, mistakes. And I, I think that, you know, probably thinking I could be an English teacher was a mistake. Um, happened for a reason. And while I was in uh, the university and doing my placements, I was made a tutor in one of the classes where I was on placement. And I love the pastoral side. I love delivering PSHE, which most teachers hate, you know, the, um, you know, the curriculum that explores the skills that you, the life skills. So when I finished, I finished my PGCE, I got my teaching certificate, but I never actually taught. Uh, over the summer, a job came up for a pastoral tutor at a sixth form college in Southport and applied for that and I got it. And I absolutely love that job. Um, my job was to teach the pastoral curriculum, also to support support 16 to 19 year olds through not only their studies but all the difficulties in life that you have at that age that affect your studies and mental health became a massive problem when I started in 2011 we had a few students that had issues with mental health that were affecting their studies halfway through my time there so by about 2013 2014 it it had grown exponentially the and the this affects absence it affects the results so it was a way that you know I could see that that things were happening and life had changed you know you've got the social media influence you've got also the way the working world's changing and um, and life just became really really challenging for most 16 to 19 year olds so I I looked at ways that I could support my students and I've always practiced yoga. I started in 1990 when I was pregnant with my eldest son and it's something that had supported me through life's difficulties. Um, so I thought I'm going to go away and do a teacher training certificate so that I can teach my uh, my students. So I did a yoga teaching uh, qualification. I did a teen yoga qualification and I set up classes for staff and students at the college. And it worked well. You know, some of the students, some of the hard to reach students started to come. They, there wasn't much yoga poses, but there was a lot of breathing and a lot of relaxation, which seemed to benefit the students the most. And then my son, by this time, he'd finished university and he got a job as a primary school teacher. And he'd also no- noticed that his students in year five were worried about their sats the next year, about life's difficulties. In year five? In I mean, year five. Oh, year what five. Are they nine, ten? Yeah, they're about nine, ten, yeah. So he asked me if I'd go into a school and, and teach some yoga. So I asked the college if I could finish early one day a week. And I started an after school club at his his school and quickly learned that teaching children yoga is not the same as adults. So we kind of muddled along for a little while and then I went away and did lots of training in mindfulness and yoga for um, seven to 11 year olds. And and then I realized that, you know, this is to, to see the honesty, to see the changes, just to see the physicality change from shoulders up by the ears to walking out the door with a smile on the face, oh. that it, it was something that was making a huge difference. So I started for two years. I was doing my job at the, the college and doing these after school clubs. And then I negotiated a little bit more time off and I was teaching whole classes. So I go into my son's school and I would teach the um, three or four classes of 30 children in an afternoon. And then other teachers began to hear about what I was doing. And 
as well as working with the children and the college, I ran a couple of adult classes in the evening um, in my local community. And I decided I was going to uh, run a yoga retreat in Snowdonia. And while I was... <laughs> So while I was there that weekend, I had a head teacher of a primary school. I had a speech therapist who was married to a head teacher in another school in Merseyside. And they both asked me if I would be interested in going into the schools where they worked. And that was the kind of tipping point where I could no longer manage both jobs. So at the time, my college was merging with another and I decided that maybe I should try and teach yoga full time. I had my adult classes, I had the children's yoga classes. And in 2017, in November, I made the decision to hand in my notice and become a full time yoga teacher for January 2018. That was a new start. It's clearly gone very well indeed. It's gone very well. I'm now at the stage where I'm at full capacity. I can't teach any more classes. Um, I'm starting to run courses to teach people who teach yoga how to teach in a classroom because it's very different teaching an after-school club to teaching is part of the school day. But I can't take on, I've had to turn down some primary schools um, because I just can't teach any more classes. There aren't enough hours in the day now. But wasn't it scary? I mean, so there you are, you, you've got a job and you're doing a nice little, you know, yoga business on the side. But then to hand your notice in and to risk that, wasn't, did you not have sleepless nights? No, I I took a deep breath. A deep yoga breath. A deep yoga breath, <laughs> which in the style of yoga that I teach in the adults is we always have this thing where you say soften first. So you relax the body, relax the mind, take a deep breath and then move. So it happens in the yoga studio. It happens in life. So I thought I've been offered this opportunity. So I just relaxed about it. I decided to create my vision board with all the things that were of interest and it kind of solidified that there isn't really an option. It wasn't a choice to carry on. This is the path I need to walk down now. And The vision board the vision idea board. is brilliant. Yeah. So, talk us, so yeah, go, for talk anybody us who's never the... made a vision board, <laughs> it's kind of like a mood board when you're decorating a room, isn't it? So if, you ca- if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to redecorate and I'd quite like that colour on the walls and I'd quite like that colour sofa and oh, I'm going to cut things out and I'm going to make a Pinterest. This is a kind of life version of redecorating your living room, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a grown-up cutting and sticking exercise. And I've been doing it since about 2008. So I don't know, I'm sure like many families in Merseyside, my um, my husband and three sons are big football fans. So there's usually big matches on yeah. um, between Christmas and New Year. So there's always an evening where I'm sat at home on my own in front of the fire reading a book. And one, one Christmas, I decided I was going to make a vision board. So I got all my magazines and... I just flick through images, words, things that appealed to me. I cut them all up and then I stuck them on a piece of paper. And I mean, there is a science behind it. You know, if you do actually look at vision boards, um, big Hollywood stars are said to, to do, if you read the book, The Secret, that uh, there is, it's vision boards are quite big in that yeah. and at first I thought it was just an amusing thing to do to fill a few hours do people think hours. it's a bit what how do you describe it woo woo <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah some people think about think it is like that and to be honest 
you know, I, I, I don't disagree because I think it's the intention. And my intention is that I just want to kind of bring all the pieces of my life together. I want to create a vision of how I want my life to be. So every year there's always a picture of my family at the heart of because for me, I do everything that to work around the family. When I gave my job up at the Liverpool Echo, which I absolutely loved, was because I couldn't be a fabulous journalist, give everything to the job and be a fabulous parent at the same time. So I needed to find a way that I could do the best for me. So family's always at the heart in the middle, but then I'm still a person. I'm still me. I still have interests and passions and things I want to know more about. I believe in lifelong learning. Um, I always want to grow and to learn more. So I just pick images and ideas and words and phrases that resonate with me. And I still do that now. And I share it with my students now. For the last three years, I run yoga and vision board workshops in December. So do they work? So this vision board. I love it. I'm sitting looking at Jane's vision board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this isn't video, obviously. No, but I can tell you that the thing that jumps out at you is create a new chapter, which I think is lovely because it's that thing of... You've given yourself a goal there, haven't you? So it's not just about things that you like. It's it's what you're aspiring to yeah. in the year ahead, isn't it? So it's kind of create a new chapter and it does just lovely things on it. I also like the fact that it's drink tea, which is obviously <laughs> a good thing. So it's not all it's not all things which are out of reach or things which are different from what you're already doing. It's perhaps things that you think, well, I am enjoying that, so I want to do a little bit more of it. What strikes me about you, Jane, and always has, is that you are very focused. So you have decided, you know what, I want to do this. I'll go and get some training. I'll go back to university. I'll go and do another yeah. course. Do you have to be that focused to reinvent yourself? Because I can hear women out there thinking, well, it's all very well for her, but I'm a single mum of three. Yeah. How, how am I going to reinvent myself? I've got a you know an office job that bores me rigid, but I can't afford to give it up. How am yeah. I going to reinvent myself? What advice have you got for for them? What advice I've got is always, you know, make a a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. When I decided to do my yoga teacher training, I had no spare money. I had four children. I had a job um, that was, I loved, but it didn't pay particularly well. I was on support staff wages. I wasn't on teaching staff wages. I had a mortgage. Um, And so I looked around for yoga teacher training that I could, that would work with my job. And I actually found the YMCA diploma in teaching yoga. You could get an over 24 loan for it. So it works the same as as a student loan in that you don't pay it back until you're earning 21,000 a year and um, you get the money up front to pay for your course. And the YMCA do that. It, the course was at weekends, um, the face-to-face element. There was a lot of online learning that you had to do at home. It was called blended learning. That's the type. Um, and then a face-to-face assessment. But it's not one of these yoga holidays in India where you go for four weeks and you come back with a yoga teaching certificate. It took me two and a half years to do it. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't an overnight thing. I think once you've got the passion and the idea, you find ways that work for you. So look to- so don't get disheartened at the first hurdle. No. Don't think, oh, I could never do that because of no. X, Y and Z. But the other thing was you allowed yourself that safety net, didn't you? Because you had a career and you had the thing that you'd like to do and you almost ran them in tandem to the point where you felt secure enough in the thing that you enjoyed doing 
financially secure and, and, you know, in every other way that you thought, right, okay, I'm ready to relinquish the other one now. You didn't just suddenly impulsively think, ah, I'm giving up everything. Farewell, cruel world. I'm off (laughs) to go and be a yoga teacher. I think there was, there's an, while there's an element of ambition there, there's also a, a kind of, a logic to it and a reason to it and a rationale which says, well, you know, I, I have responsibilities. I can't just suddenly go, well, this is what I want. Yeah. You've got, uh, because you're right, there'd be so many people who think I'm kind of burdened with responsibility to a certain extent. But what you did was you thought, well, this is what I'd like. I'm, I'm not selfish enough to think that I don't have responsibilities. So I've got those running in the background. I'll keep that job going while I build up the other one gradually on the on the side and then hopefully the ultimate aim is to get to the point where I can say farewell to the one to the other one and stick with the one that you really enjoy and that's where you are now isn't it yeah I mean I actually I qualified as a yoga teacher in November 2014 but bearing in mind it had taken quite a few years to get to that stage I didn't actually give up my full-time day job until November 2017 so I'd spent three years building up and making relationships and yeah. getting a following and getting people who wanted to come. It wasn't an overnight thing. No. When I was doing my yoga teacher training, my, my yoga teacher, Conrad, said, don't give up the day job. Yeah, you know? And he was right. And he was right. You, you know, if you, if you were expecting to go away to India for four weeks, come back with a yoga teaching certificate, you know, and a whole it, new career. And a whole yeah, new career. Not- well, I, I don't think unless you've got, you know, a trust fund that's going to be feasible yeah. um, for, for mortals like myself who've got plans um, and ideas. It's a long term thing. It's it's not short term, but it is possible to get there. Yeah. And we all know how life goes so fast when you're in your 50s, sooner than you think you arrive yeah. there. <laughs> oh, thanks for that. <laughs> that's a down note there, Jane. I was all chilled out listening yeah. to it. You'll all be dead there. soon. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've done this and done it very successfully. What do you think women in their late 40s, 50s can bring to New careers, new jobs, not necessarily starting their own business. But somebody in their 20s can't. Yes, that's that's the difference. Because a lot of women, again, will be listening to this and thinking, well, do you know what? It's too late for me. Too old to start again. Yeah, exactly. I'm 51, I'm 54, I'm 48, whatever. What can I bring? What, you know, what's my USP to anything new? Well, it's experience. It's all those life skills. You know, if you have children, it's, it's managing, you know, having to manage a whole household financially, uh, the logistics. It's also about, you know, even if you don't have children, you probably have friends, family, it's not, you know, you've worked in different careers, you've got lots of transferable skills. You've got experience of when things go terrible and, you know, you feel like, you know, you can't do anything about it, but you've got that frame of reference to know that, you know, these are just blips in the in the road that you can come round and I think the biggest gift that any older person male or female can bring is that resilience in life that you know you don't just give up you keep going against we you know when things get tough and you've got a whole wealth of skills that life has given you that somebody in their 20s 
don't have they, they they've not acquired those skills thankfully yet you know they, they've got different skills and don't get me wrong I, I don't want to be a downer on 20 somethings they've got lots of other skills to bring to the party but I think you know we look at our life now and our life expectancy is longer we're all expected to work yeah. longer you know you're talking about the very earliest most of us are, are our age could retire at and get a, a state pension at 67. So in your 40s, you've still got 20, possibly 30 years and probably even more working life. And generally we are in better health um, than we've ever been before. So it's a big opportunity to maybe do something that you've never, ever thought about doing but maybe that it's always been down there somewhere I think what's interesting about yours was what you did was took work skills and something that you enjoyed personally and managed to bring them together but you also had the experience at the point where you trained to teach English I think what experience also gives you is the ability to recognise something that's wrong, as well as recognising the thing that's right for you. You were able to walk away from something that you knew was wrong for you. And I th- I think that that's what you get with experience yeah. as well, is the ability to think, OK, I've invested that time in it, but you know what? That's not for me. And you say, and you step away and think, no, I'll find the thing that Regroup. is for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the end of the world, is it? No, and it was important. I don't think I, I would if be If you doing, try and fail, yeah. it's not the end of the world. Well, not at all. I think it's really important to fail. Yeah. I was. I remember when I was at the college, there was a great poster that I loved on the business studies um, classroom, and it was some pop, very successful um, businessman. He said he used to ask his children every day what they'd failed at. He wasn't interested in what they succeeded at because that was, if you fail at something, that's where you get your most learning done. But that comes with experience, doesn't it? And yeah. it just feeds into what we're saying that, you know, if you fail when you're 20, it's the end of the world yeah. for, a lot of, for a lot of people. Yeah. If you fail when you're 50... Well, okay. You've probably failed at lots of other things. In the meantime, (laughs) and you know, like you said, it's not the end of the world. But we hear again and again, don't we, that women um, feel as though they start to disappear. You you hit a certain age and you start to vanish. A bit like the invisible man, but, you know, with better clothes. I don't know. Um, But if you have the confidence to reinvent yourself, to put yourself out there, and it's a big ask, I know, because people are going through all sorts of different things. We don't have to disappear. No, and I think you don't have to be visible to be seen and heard. You know, you don't have to have this larger than life. I've always, I would describe my confidence as quiet confidence. I, I know what I want and I go after it. I, I don't give up. I think it's a up. self-assurance. Yeah. Isn't yeah, it? Because I, I think, think people, is. confidence can be a negative thing. It can yeah. be seen as a negative thing. It can be seen as a bit show-offy and a bit kind of what... I think there's a quiet self-assurance that says, and again, is that with age? I've kind of got the, I've got the measure of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm comfortable in my own skin. I know what I'm good at. I know my own skills and my own worth. And I think that's what women of our age bring to everything, but bring to the workplace. Yeah, I think knowing your own worth, I think that's really interesting. Rather than, well, what can I do? I'm, I'm fifty and I'm this and I'm that. Actually, I'm fifty and I'm this. Yeah, and I'm that, and I'm that as well. Yeah. It, but it's it's I think for a lot of women they find it hard to, to make change a list, that mindset. Make a, I say, make a move. Make board. a list. Yeah, well I'm all about the list. Because obviously now you never go shopping without a list, do you? I never go shopping without a list now. Otherwise I'd just come out with two things and I'm stood in the fruit <laughs> nile thinking, what did I come in for? Another list, a list that says things I am good at. 
And also, as well as making a list that you're good at, ask people who know you well to make a list of what they think you're good at oh, as that's well. Because, you know, you might be surprised what, you know, what you give off and what value. So when you can compare those two lists, then you might yeah. be surprised. Oh, I'm not sure I want to see my list. To say nothing. <laughs> exactly. Just blank. Yeah. I think Sue's good at... Mm. Is it going to be like when people fold up their answer and put it anonymously in a thing? Yes. And then you're opening them up at the end. Oh, another one not, says nothing. Nothing, nothing. Ooh, okay, nothing. Let's, let's forget about the alternative list. <laughs> let's just focus on my list, which says I'm great. But if you had one piece of advice, because obviously you've, you've reinvented yourself several times and you are here now with a great business, um, you know, mum of four things, you know, you've got, you've, you've reached a really good place. If you had a piece of advice for women listening to this who think, Do you know what, I'd really like to start that process. I'd really like to change things. What would it be? I would be, you know, have confidence in yourself and believe in what you want to do and pick something that you're passionate and interested about because, you know, you will go for it. If it's something that you're vaguely interested in or it's a whim that you're not really that committed to, then it won't work. But if you pick something and you might have to delve quite deep to find out what you are passionate about. I know it's a cliche, the passion, but, you know, I, I would go back to what, you know, what brings a smile to your face? What makes you feel better? What's worth getting up in the morning for? What would you do for free? That's the thing. And then take baby steps. How, work back, where do I want to be? And what steps do I need to get there? And then work back from that place and then start with the first step. Again, it's cliched, but that's exactly what I've done each time. And, you know, it might be woo-woo, but the universe is out there. And there might be, when you start looking, I think that's the thing. When you've got blinkers on and you're not open to opportunities, they're not there. Once you start to believe that, that, you know, you, you are able and want to do something, then look around you and you might be surprised at what opportunities are available to you. What great advice. Yeah. I'm off to create a mood board. So it'll just be me here next week. <laughs> yes, just on your own. Right. Where's Sue? Oh, she's making a mood board. She's gone off to find herself. <laughs> making a new career. Yeah. Jane, thank you very much for your time and trouble. It's been absolutely fascinating listening to you. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You can download the Menopod podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, but for exclusive, interactive, immersive content, download the Entail app. If you've liked what you've heard, please rate and review the Menopod and help other listeners to discover us too. This is a Laudable production for the Liverpool Echo. You can find out more about Laudable and its other local podcasts by following us on social media on Twitter, where we're at Laudable Pods, and on Instagram by searching for Laudable underscore podcasts. Podcasts.